Okay, so today um, I just wanted us to delve more into the topic of Christian suffering. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> Guys, come on, are we, not, are we not all happy to talk about suffering? <laughs> In fact, suffering well, what an oxymoron. So, um, well, all of us would know that, um, actually if you don't, well, here you go. Um, the Bible has a lot of stories about suffering from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, and obviously the story that's the closest to our heart is the story of the suffering of Christ. He's a Lord, he's our savior, and he chose for our sake to suffer on the cross. Um, he took all the scorn, all the shame, being, um, being, what's the word? Basically all his friends deserted him and left him behind, they all snaked him. And he was still, um, he still chose to die for us. And so as Christians, you know, the name Christian, Christ, uh, we want to be more like Jesus, right? We want to be more like Christ. And part of becoming more like Christ in this Christian walk that we're in is actually suffering. And unfortunately, um, if we try to understand suffering, suffering isn't something that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, it's not that he created it in this way that is fallen, where there is suffering, where we do go through hardship. However, due to the fall of man, due to us you know, rejecting God's way and choosing our own, suffering did enter the world. So when we do suffer, when we do go through hardship, it's not necessarily that we've always done something wrong. It's not that at every chance that, oh, God is like punishing us or anything. We do live in a fallen world, so suffering exists, unfortunately. However, suffering sometimes does happen because of our sin, because of other people's sin. Uh, you know, there are people out here in the world who don't have food to eat, um, and it's not their fault. They didn't do anything to deserve it. They didn't do anything to cause it. And sometimes though, you know, for example, the cause can be someone else being selfish somewhere else and not thinking about them. And all of this is just as a result of the fall, our sin, other people's sin. However, as Christians, we actually have a, a very strong foundation in the fact that we're no longer enemies of God. So if we turn to Romans 5, I'm going to read one of our anchor scriptures for today. Romans 5, if you, I could have it up, please. From, literally from verse 1. I'm going to read the big chunk of what we're going to go through today and then the focus of this point. So actually, let's all read it together. Uh, <laughs> um, so Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we... Oh, oh, you're reading it out loud. Oh, I meant like we're all reading it together. But you can read it out loud if you want to. <laughs> 
Uh, it says that, um, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse, please. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Next verse, please. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the first point is that as Christians, we are no longer enemies of God. Romans 1 says that because we have been justified through faith, we actually have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us to like everything that um, you might have faced in life, everything, every hardship, every situation that you never thought would happen to you to know that in Christ Jesus, we are at peace with God. God is not trying to punish you. God is not trying to give you a hard time because of some sin you connected, you committed in the past. So I just want us to like start from here, like, you know, know that God is not punishing us. We are actually at peace with Christ. And yes, so yeah, and we, we boast in this, that we, we, we do have peace with God. So when the enemy tries to come and lie to you and say that, oh, you're going, oh, this hard situation or this and this is because of what you did yesterday and the day before. I mean, you know, consequences of our actions. But like in general, the bigger picture is that God is not trying to punish us. Right? And because we have peace in him, and because we are no longer enmity with God, the Bible then tells us if we turn to James 1, please, from verse 2. Yeah. It tells us to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Right? And you might ask yourself, like, what the heck? Like, Joy in trials. How does that make any sense? But um, actually, joy biblically is something that comes from the Lord. I think as Christians, sometimes we confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is something that is dependent from external factors. We are happy because something makes us happy. Our circumstances make us feel happy. It's like a, a, a feeling, right? But when it comes to biblical joy, um, I love Google, I Googled it. And it says that, you know, biblical joy comes from the Lord. It is a perpetual glad gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus. Uh, a famous guy that, well, maybe he's not that famous because I didn't know him, but <laughs> his name is uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said that joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So joy is much deeper than happiness. Joy, it's like, it's not dependent on our circumstances. Joy comes from relationship with God. 
we need to remember that um, when the Bible talks about the fact that we have been, um, that because Christ died, we also died, and because he's resurrected, we also live, that's something that's supposed to bring us joy. It means that we are no longer condemned, right? Jesus has taken all of that on the cross. He has died and he has died with it. And therefore, in relationship with him, we are able to experience joy. Joy is an anchor. It holds us when there isn't happiness. And of course, God calls us to live a victorious life, but trials still happen. Hardships still happen. So, you know, um, and also... Guys, um, I'm a science girl. I love science. We are told, according to, to science, studies show that joyful people have less chance of having a heart attack, maintain a healthier blood pressure, and tend to have lower cholesterol levels. So there's research to prove that joy boosts our immune system, fights stress and pain, and improves our chance of living a longer life. So. If anything else, if anything I said means nothing to you, if you want to live a longer life, please, you need to pursue joy, right? <laughs> um, so, we know that joy is important and we've understood that trials do happen. So, what is like, as a Christian, why should I now have joy? Like, what are the, the things that... Um, What's the word in, the, in today, in here, here in, on earth? Like, why should I have joy? So, uh, back to our first scripture in Romans 5. Um, it says that, um, from verse 3, it said, not only so, but we also have glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, right? And also... Um, when we read in James 1, uh, from verse 3 and 4, it tells, it tells us that because you know that the testing, when it tells us to have joy in our trials, it tells us that it is because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So although suffering... When, unfortunately, when you're in the world, suffering can make you bitter, right? When you're in Christ, suffering is supposed to make you better, right? Right? So, um, we see all of these things, like for us, actually, there is gain in suffering. It is an opportunity to know God more, to trust God more. And it says that hope does not put to shame. Hope is us like, trusting more in God, in the character of God. And if joy is rooted in us knowing God, suffering produces more hope that allows us to trust in God, which is like a cycle, like you have more and more joy. Like God has made it, God, oh, God has made it so that in suffering, your fruit that you're supposed to bear is Hope you're supposed to supposed to bring you to the place of having consistent joy. So it's not a like he didn't just leave us hanging like just have joy because you know you're a Christian. Don't suffer and be crying 
he actually, you know, he gives us things. And it says that um, from that scripture in Romans, it says that essentially we glory in our suffering. It's a win-win situation, right? In addition to uh, becoming better, we're also aware of the fact that unfortunately in this world, it says that um, the, it says that the enemy is the, is the prince of this world and he does not have good plans for us. We are, as Christians, as those who follow Christ, we are part of the kingdom of God. And the Bible tells us how the gates of hell will not prevail against us. But gates are defensive, right? That means that we are, as, as the kingdom of God, we are on attack. And if we are those who living the life in the spirit, that following the spirit, we are causing damage um, to the kingdom of darkness. We then need to understand that the kingdom of darkness is, you know, they're not going to be very happy about it, right? So another thing that happens in suffering is that in we, it's almost like training, it's like exercise. Say if you were to run a marathon, you wouldn't just get up and just run a marathon. You would train, right? So what suffering does, what trials, tribulations, whether it is the, the biggest one, like, I don't know. Some people are going through really hard times. Like, I don't know, some people might be having a, a family member who's ill. They might be ill, um, have no money, I can relate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are different situations. There are different situations as Christians. It can even be that they, you know, they got your coffee all the wrong and your day was already long and now you're even more stressed. Like, things do happen, right? But however, in this kingdom where it's a victorious kingdom, where Christ has already died, where he has already given us victory, we are more than conquerors. And being more, Romans, yeah, Romans 8 says that we are more than conquerors. And before that, it even speaks about the way that nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? And, and in that, it means that because nothing can separate us from the love of God, even as we go through trials, all we are gaining for ourselves is more victory. It's more and more and more victory. It says that, uh, it says in James 1.12 that, Blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who um, love him. And this same crown is now mentioned in Revelation and it, it literally is the same crown but it's called the victor's crown. Like in suffering, you're earning more and more victory for yourself. And why would you not have hope? Why would you not have hope if when you're going through trials, you're gaining more in your character, you're training yourself to be a better warrior in the kingdom of, uh, of light, you are gaining more trust, more hope in the Lord, and actually you're becoming even a better person because it says that you build perseverance, like it's a muscle, you build perseverance, you're able to stand more firm, and through standing more firm, you're able to have a better character. Um, I know a story of a lady, um, I don't know if many of you guys will know her, her name is Pretty Kurian, and she's like, a, she's, a, she's a prophet. And she was sharing a story about how 
she, when she was pregnant, she had gone, she had had so many miracles happen in her life. She was, she said, I was having the time of my life, miracle after miracle, provision after provision. But, and so when she was about to go into labor, she was so excited. They even told her, yeah, this is going to be super quick. You're going to be in and out. And instead, she had one of the worst labors ever. Like she was there in there for such a long time. And she, she shared about how after she was so confused because she had been so blessed by God. And she said, God, like, what did I do wrong? Did I do something to deserve this? Like, why am I going, why did I have to go through this? Why did it, why is it that people that came after me have given birth and I was still there suffering? And she said that, she shared about how the Holy Spirit basically told her, like, showed her that it's not that God is trying to make us suffer and this is just part of life suffering is just part of life however as a christian you are always victorious and what she said is that actually she realized that through that experience of going through such hard labor she became such a much so much more of a compassionate person she became so much more understanding i know that sometimes it's when you have a good in life it's easy to forget that other people don't have it good and Christ is a compassionate God and in that way he wants us to also be compassionate one of the fruits of going through suffering of going through trials is that in fact we do become more compassionate that's the perseverance um, building character right and in that in your character being built then you have more hope because you know it's a cycle you already know the end. Whenever you go through trials, you already know that this is an opportunity for me to reap fruit. This is an opportunity for me to, like God, instead of saying, God, why am I going through this? Because one of the worst things the enemy can do to you when you're um, going through trials is to make you think, just focus on the trial you're going through. Instead, as Christians, we are able to lean in on God, lean in on the Holy Spirit. We're able to ask God, what is it what fruit is it that you want me to reap from this trial? We don't just focus on like, why me, why me, why me, why me? God, it's not, um, I mean, don't hate yourself for not being well, for not having, for having those emotions. We're not saying that we're not human, but in that love of God, he invites us to share that with him. And in that knowing, already knowing the end, knowing that we are going to bear fruit, we're earning for ourselves the victor's crown, we're able to just have more of that joy. We're able to have that peace. So um, we might be asking ourselves like, so how do I actually have joy more practically? Yes, you know, it's important to understand that, understand trials, it's important to understand that why joy is important, but practically speaking, how do we then make that decision to have joy in our lives. And carrying on from uh, James 1, in verse 5, it says, in, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So God is actually a God that is generous. He loves, he loves to give. He loves to give, especially to his children. But one 
one thing that he tells us that if we don't have, we can ask of him is wisdom. And wisdom is almost like being on a higher plane where we're able to see more from a elevated vision. We're able to see a, a bigger picture to see like more like from a, an eternal perspective what it is that we're having. And unfortunately, sometimes in suffering, we're not able to see the bigger picture. We're able to just see the thing that we're struggling with right now. So God gives us this gift of telling us if you need wisdom, if you can't see past what you're going through right now, if you can't see past the struggle that you're facing right now, ask me for wisdom. Because why would he, why would James talk about all this about having suffering and how you know you should have joy and then tell you if you lack wisdom, ask God. Um, it's literally the simplest, simplest, simplest advice. Ask God. And so in asking God, also remember that He has given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your advocate, he's your comforter, he's your teacher, he's your director. And in asking the Holy Spirit and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, and literally, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, I know that sometimes it sounds so like confusing, but um, it's literally one of the simplest things, like you literally just ask Holy Spirit, like, I need your comfort. You know, he wouldn't be a comforter if there's no need for comfort, right? So we ask the Holy Spirit, can you be my comforter? Holy Spirit, I, I'm struggling to, to be in the word today. I'm struggling to do all the things that I know that I should be doing when I'm struggling, but I'm not doing. Okay, what do I do? It's just the small things, just asking the Holy Spirit, spending time with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, even if it feels like I don't know where to go in the word, just opening something and asking, Holy Spirit, will you open my eyes? I need a word for today. I'm struggling right now. Will you be my teacher? Will you direct me? Will you be with me? And, you know, one thing is that, actually, I want us to just like take a second and maybe just think about um, one area of our life where we've been really... Um, distracting ourselves with other things when we know that we're kind of struggling right and maybe we're distracting ourselves maybe for me I love Netflix right so I love escapism <laughs> she knows I love escapism I love reading books like just escaping other people's stories so I don't have to worry about my own it's true I'll just I'll tell you guys uh but you know that is a form of pride. I'm saying that I can hack this. I've got my tools. I know how to. I know how to deal with this by myself. So, if you know, knowing that the Holy Spirit is present, He's here. Let's just take one second and just think of a situation where we're saying, "I'm going to handle this by myself. I can use this. I can use that. I'm distracting myself with this, and I'm going to say, "Yeah, I can figure this out by myself," or I'm not going to worry about this." I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I want you to, once you've thought about it, Holy Spirit, if someone is not thinking about one, tell them now <laughs> about the one that they forgot about. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And I want us in that to know that we actually don't need to hate ourselves for not being well. Um, we are still the temple of God, whether we are broken or needing repair. So in that, now, knowing that we have chosen our ways, knowing that God is still with us, what are other ways in which we can have joy? So, you know, asking God, we've asked the Holy Spirit right now. Um, there's also the gift of community. Um, I want you to, in thinking about what it is, what area it is that you have left the Holy Spirit out, where you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to be a comforter, I want you to now think about whether you involved your community, whether you actually involved the people that are close to you, whether you actually asked anyone for help. You know, sometimes we say, spend time with God, ask God, and it can be really, really hard when we go through hard situations to ask God for help, to ask him to be the one um, to help us, especially if we're angry at him. Um, we have um, a story in the Bible, I believe it was Moses. Moses had a rod, and like when he would hold it up, the Israelites would be winning in the war they were in. But when he, the rod would fall, he would, they would start losing, right? So what happened is that Moses had people in his community that came and held his hand up, right? So guys, like, it's biblical. God invites us to have people around us who help us in our hardship, who are able to keep us up. When you're saying, I can't pray, there's somebody that can stay there with you and pray, pray for you and pray with you. You know, when you can't remember why God is good, ask your friends who know, ask them, please tell me what does the Bible say about God's goodness? I can't remember. You know, I've been so, so blessed to have amazing friends in my life, especially friends who speak life into me. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, I think it was even this year, I really had a period of being really, really insecure and not being able to see what it is that I'm gifted in, especially because it felt like I wasn't walking in a lot of the promises of God in my life, a lot of the gifting he had given me. And I was holding and I kept beating myself up saying like, I know the truth, I know the truth. Why can't I believe it? Why can't I believe it? But it was in the moment in which I literally broke down to my friends and told them like, I, I just don't see what gifts God has given me. I don't see it. I, I don't even feel good about myself. They were able to, they literally, one of my friends, she said, okay, we're gonna just, just help me. Let's list them out. At least we can find out which ones are true and which ones are the enemy lying to you. Because the truth is that if some of them are true, we don't spend time beating ourselves up and wasting our times. We find ways to fix them. And the ones that are lies, the people around you will be able to tell you like, you know, sometimes there are things that we're believing about ourselves that are lies. So that's why it's important to have community. So, okay, how do, we, do I have joy? I ask God, I spend time with the Holy Spirit, I stay in community, I choose to not beat myself up, I choose to see myself as a temple still, a temple that might be broken and needing repair, but nonetheless a temple of the Holy Spirit. And also 
um, another thing that I wanted us to uh, know on how to have joy is worship. So, worship is actually a weapon. I know that some people might have heard this so many times, so many times, worship is your weapon, worship is your weapon, and you're asking yourself, okay, cool, but I don't think God is good, why should I worship him? But actually, it's important, again, this is where it's important to ask God for wisdom, just ask for wisdom. It's important for us to know that whatever area the enemy is attacking you in and stopping you from worshiping God is actually where he's winning. Our victory is in the fact that when we go through trial, we're still able to worship God. Because when we worship God, we put him above our situation and it allows us to have that higher perspective, wisdom, what we said was wisdom, right? That elevated perspective that is that allows us to see from top down the situation, which is, enables us to see, okay, I'm going through a tough situation. God is going to bear fruit out of this. So worship is that thing that, you know, when you don't know what to do, when you're literally lost and you can't see the wisdom, you've asked God for wisdom, you're confused still, and I've been there. Uh, <laughs> you worship, and when you worship, you literally, you're able to have some moments forgetting about yourself, forgetting about your situation, and you're able to see God's perspective. Um, and also, like, I'm pretty sure the enemy will be confused if you're worshiping God and uh, suffering. So, you know, for all our warriors here that are part of the kingdom of light, you know, more damage to the kingdom of darkness. Um, so, yes, I mentioned quite a few times that um, wisdom gives us a, an eternal perspective. So this kind of ties in into my last point. The fact that, okay, we understand, we understand trials, we understand we should have joy, we understand why, how. But also, we need to remember that Christ died for us and that in, after dying, after resurrecting, he told us that he's going to come back. Like, he, he says that he has not left us. I think it's in, somewhere in the Bible. It says, that, <laughs> it says that he has not left us as orphans, but he's gone to prepare a, a place for us, right? Jesus is going to come back. We have an eternal hope. When it's too much here, and we've asked God for wisdom and we worshiped him, we also ask the Holy Spirit to continue revealing to us what is our eternal hope? What is it that we, we, we hope in? And um, going back to, no, no, we don't go back to it, it's a new scripture. It's Romans 8, 18, it says that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Guys, we need to have an eternal hope. We need to actually believe that if Jesus is coming back and he's promised us that there is going to be a new earth, a new heaven, we have to stay steadfast in this life 
knowing that promise, knowing that if God is actually, like we sang before, a covenant-keeping God, he keeps his promises, this suffering is temporary. If we are trying to, for example, pursue riches, pursue money, pursue wealth for the sake of maybe feeling more confident or, or escaping our troubles or making us feel like, okay, I've lost here, but at least I can win at having money. We're forgetting that all of this is going to pass away, right? Whether you're rich or you're poor, I believe it's uh, in James 1, it talks again that if you're poor, you should be happy because essentially you're able to really like, you're able to, um, sorry? Yeah. <laughs> you're able to, it's, it's more like you're able to empathize with the, the, the suffering of, of, of Christ. You're, that character in you is, is even built more easily because you don't have much. All you have is God. <laughs> But if you're rich, to also put your, your, to boast in your, almost like your humiliation when you're humbled, because again, that makes you relate to Christ more. That helps you build that character. That is all part of you um, going, um, um, hoping for that um, eternal hope, but also for the, that victor's crown. That's all part of us becoming more like Christ, becoming more like our savior. So if, if now, what's the point I was making? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That if you're poor and if you're rich, like you should basically uh, boast in still like being humbled essentially. It is because everything will pass away. All the suffering, all the, all the, the illness, all the hardship, the good and the bad, of this earth will pass away. So we can't put our trust in what we see right now. We can't put our trust in what it is that we are experiencing right here and holding on to that. We need to hold on to Jesus. He will not pass away. And the Bible tells us that also hope is never passes away. If we focus on the things that are eternal, we focus on allowing God to build perseverance in us, character, hope, the things that are eternal, those will stay. When this earth passes away, hope will stay, right? Because that's our trust in God. We will be with God in eternity. Um, I don't exactly know what heaven looks like, but if we read Revelation 21, 22, it talks about the new earth, the new, um, the new Jerusalem. And the, the place, the descriptions, and I invite you guys to really read Revelation the book of Revelation, because it talks about how beautiful is this place that the Lord is preparing for us. It talks about how beautiful is, it's going to be the feast that we get to have with Jesus once he comes back, once we, he takes us up, once we go and, and celebrate with him. And he says that, you know, you, because you have withstood the, the, the suffering of this age, you're going to enjoy the glory to be revealed even more. You know, like, it's good to, to, to know the things that we're earning right now from suffering, which is good, but it's also important to know that these things are eternal, that we have a hope to come. We actually have a hope to come. We can't put our trust in what we see right now. And also, you know, 
there's, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm excited about the hope to come. This half-baked life that we're living here. You know, it's amazing. All glory to God, all glory to God. But this is not the fullness of it. This half-baked life is not the fullness of it. Literally, all of this, this earth that we live in right now is literally nothing nothing compared to the glory to be revealed. I really, I, I hope somebody would go home this week and ask God, can you give me a glimpse of the glory to be revealed? Can you give me a glimpse of heaven? Can you give me a glimpse of what it is that I'm hoping in? I really, I really, really want us to, to hone into this, like when we have nothing, we have Jesus. If like God that is good, that knows everything and that created this earth, knowing that there was a possibility that we would turn our backs on him, why would he allow all of this to happen if there wasn't something so much greater at the end of this? This life on earth is literally like a grain of sand in the Sahara desert of our existence. It's literally a grain, literally a grain so I really want to encourage us to, to start thinking about these things with an eternal perspective. This life is not just what we see right here. It's not just what we live right here. I feel the Holy Spirit. Oh, guys. So, you know, um, also I want to say um, having the Holy Spirit reveal to you the hope to come does really help with worship. So, you know, it all goes together. If you're struggling and you need to have wisdom and you want to worship better, again, ask him to show you more. more. What is it I'm hoping in? Just ask him. He actually, God wants to give. He wants to give. He wants to give so much. Like, he literally every morning that we don't decide to spend time with him, that we don't decide to talk to him, he's literally like, ah, oh, I have so much to give you. I'm so excited to be with you. God wants to talk with us. He so loved us that he gave his only son. How much more to, to reconcile us? Who are we that God wants that sent his only son to reconcile himself to us? So how much more does he want to talk to you? How much more does he want to spend time with you? You know, this is a God that he's so excited. He's so excited. He wants to spend time with you. So I really, really, really encourage us in our struggles, in our trials, let us not let them drive us away from God. Let us not let it drive us away from God. We have a God that loves us. He's like, in that trial, I already bought victory for you in that trial. You don't have to suffer for free. Because Let me tell you something, whether you're with Christ or not, you will suffer in this earth. It's a fallen world. If you want to suffer for free, I don't want to suffer for free. <laughs> So if you're going to suffer, let it be that you're gaining something. And in Christ, you're victorious. You're more than conqueror. You can gain. So, yeah. I'm going to just summarize what we've learned. Um, so we understand trials. We understand that they're not, God is not punishing us. We understand that it is possible to have joy in trials and also that it's good for our health. 
We understand that we gain, we gain so much in trials. We gain perseverance, we gain character, we gain hope. We understand that we have, um, that we understand that there are ways to have joy more practically, to ask God to stay in community, to not beat ourselves down, not punish ourselves. We understand that it is important to continue worshiping God relying on our community, relying on our friends to hold us up and remind us of God's goodness. And we know that we have an eternal hope. So I want to invite you guys now to ask yourselves if, if Christ has died for me and He's loved me so much and he's given me this precious Holy Spirit. What is it that is stopping me from asking him to be my comforter? What is it that is stopping me from asking him to be my strength? Because it's supposed to be really easy, right? You just ask. Why am I not asking God to be with me in my suffering, in my struggle? The God that so love me, he literally, he's there. He said, I want to hold you up. I want to hold your hand. Why am I not asking him to do so?